0: Welcome to the Renegade Nutrition Podcast where we discuss all things
1: wellness. I'm Eleni Welch, nutritionist, and I'm Kay Boyer,
0: health enthusiast. Welcome
1: back, Renegades. Welcome, Renegades.
0: I'm excited for another week with you, Eleni. Me too. And our topic this week is about insulin, and I'm glad that That you're on this because I don't know much about it, but I want to learn. I have all the knowledge. Yes. You
1: bet. Yep. Go. I figured since we were heading into the holiday season and Mm. that is like when most of us are indulging in all of the sugary sweets. Yeah. Yep. It'd be a good time to talk about insulin. Yes.
0: Okay. Speaking of, if we're like opening the door for um, sugary sweets this (laughs) morning for breakfast, I made, are you ready? I'm like super mom at this point. You are. Paleo pumpkin pancakes. Ooh. Ooh. It was awesome. So it was like coconut oil, eggs, pumpkin. Here's the thing though, and this is why I bring it up. It had maple syrup sugar. Mm. So I bought mm-hmm. the granulated. Yeah. You know. Um, and so after I ate it, I normally have like, oh, eggs for breakfast or you know, some sides, right. but mainly like more eggs. And after these pancakes, and then we do maple syrup on the pancakes. I had a total headache
1: all morning because I
0: never have that much sugar. Even though it's paleo, even though it's like a cleaner, whatever, I still got a headache because I'm not used to that much sugar. And I still was like, okay, Kay, you you can't do this all the time. Like Pancakes are still special. They're not every day.
1: Right. Anyway, that's my thought on that. That's a really good point. I love that because I think that's one of the most important Um points of when you're eating healthy especially when you're doing something like keto or paleo it's really easy to be like Oh, but these are oh, paleo. paleo. I can so eat it's fine. 12 paleo
0: cupcakes. Right, exactly,
1: because <laughs> it's paleo. Yeah. But then it's true. It still needs to be an occasional treat mm-hmm. because it's not. And, and then maybe next time you'll just learn, like, put some sausage with it. Oh, oh, that even sounds good as yeah. a complimenting flavor. Because I, I always feel like if you have maple syrup, oh. sausage is the most acceptable, or bacon. That sounds amazing, um, yes. Yeah, so maybe try a protein with it oh, next time. Yeah. And then I know you can't do butter, but okay. maybe you you could have a fat as a side, okay? Like a little bit extra coconut milk, or I don't know what you would do—a little yeah. nut, a little nut butter. So when we make pancakes, yeah, nut no butter on it—that'd be uh, good. When we make pancakes, we put almond butter on them, but you could do cashew butter or sunflower oh, that seed butter. Really
0: good, melted on the hot top. Uh uh-huh. Okay. Okay. So that's how
1: we do it if we make because we like to make pancakes too. It's kind of like just an occasional weekend thing whenever mm-hmm. we have time, or like a waffle. Yeah. So that's my favorite. Favorite way to do it is mm-hmm. to put nut butter on it because then you get the fat and then mm-hmm. do a side of meat or eggs or something so you get, get the, protein. the protein.
0: Then Smart. you don't get that
1: sugar spike.
0: Woo! And I spiked. Now I'm running off caffeine. I also don't normally have caffeine. I was but- gonna
1: say I was surprised you had a coffee. or yeah, a tea. So Probably a tea. a tea.
0: My um girlfriend came in the shop I was before and she's like, Do you want a tea? I normally don't have tea in general but definitely not after two so we'll see this keeps
1: me up tonight i'm real sensitive to the caffeine yes let's do it touch your sugar rush and now your tea so you're on a good path let's do it bring on the holidays (laughs) bring on the holidays all right well yes as we mentioned we're entering into the holiday season and that tends to be when many of us indulge in more sugary treats Mm -hmm. which I will just say I'm not a monster, so I'm not like, this is not an episode to guilt trip everybody (laughs) into not eating sugary things at the holidays. Because I do understand, if you listen to our sugar podcast, how much people associate memories Mm -hmm. and good feelings with food. And so especially if you live by the 80-20 rule, which most of us can do unless we're dealing with something really intense, like an autoimmune disease or cancer, where you really need to be on top of it all the time. Most of us can live by the 80-20 rule, which Mm -hmm. is 80% of the time you're doing things that promote your health and you accept that 20% of the time you may do things that don't promote your health, but you always go back to that 80%. Yep. Most of the
0: time, if you're good, your body can handle it.
1: Right. So like when I go to Thanksgiving with family, I usually, Will bring pie because then I can decide what types of sweeteners are used in mm. it and how much. Yeah. So I usually volunteer to bring a dessert because then I know at least I can eat my dessert and it's not going to be like made with corn syrup or yes, tons yep. and tons of white sugar or whatever yep. or gluten. Like I make all of my pies gluten free and yes. dairy free and yes. so, but they still taste amazing. Everybody yep. else appreciates them. It also lets me control a little bit, like so I'm not getting too so much sugar. Treat. Yes. But, um, but also there's going to be lots of non <laughs> paleo, non AIP yep. friendly yep. Yep. items. And we'll probably have some of those because we don't do it any other time of right. the year. Right. And yeah, I mean, I like what you said. We're not monsters. Not monsters. I totally to am. I'm like, I'm with family. We're hanging out. We're having fun. There is something so health building about being with your loved ones. Yep that I feel like that counts into your 80%. Yes. (laughs) And then the 20% of like sharing a treat with them, that's not like the best for you, but you're also promoting your health mentally and emotionally and spiritually. So I think it kind of balances. Yeah, I'm with you. But eat the pie as well. Yeah, I will say that the holidays are a really challenging time for a lot of people, especially in a workplace, because it's not just one meal. It's not just a Thanksgiving meal. It's not just a Christmas meal. Mm. It's not just a New Year's party. It's like people at your work bringing in cupcakes and cookies and brownies and candies every day, every day for like two months. Like it really adds, especially after Halloween, because I think people like bring in their kids candy and dumps it off. So I think it gets it's challenging because for a lot of people, it's not just those few meals that they're indulging. They kind of indulge for the whole season. Right, right.
0: That's where you, yeah, rain that in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So anyway, all that to say, it's a really good time to talk about insulin and specifically fasting insulin, your fasting insulin, and why everybody should be testing their fasting insulin in their yearly or bi-yearly blood work.
0: Okay. I just got mine done and I forgot to ask about that. So we'll get it next time. Yeah. But I wouldn't have even thought.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't necessarily think to test it until I was diagnosed with PCOS. And then PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. So there's a whole slew of things that come hand in hand with that. Mm. And one of the things is insulin resistance, Mm. which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, And I had some of the hallmark signs of it. And so I had my fasting insulin tested just to make sure that everything was okay. And actually, we'll get into that at some point. Yeah. But my number actually... I didn't know what my number meant at the time because I was just looking at the conventional laboratory ranges, whereas when I was doing research for this podcast, I learned what the actual optimal ranges are. And that totally changed my interpretation oh, of my results. Oh, right. There's a
0: big difference between like you're surviving or that you're thriving idea. Exactly.
1: Like optimal versus
0: just like, oh, you're not dead. This yeah. is your number, right. you're normal.
1: Right. But I want to thrive. Yeah. So we'll okay. talk about that. I won't get into it yet. I will get there. Ooh. But um, anyway, so everybody should be testing their fasting insulin, whether they think they're at risk for insulin resistance or not, and I'll explain why. One of the top reasons being that now being overweight is no longer a requirement for the development of type two diabetes. It used to be that we called it adult onset diabetes because it happened in older adults. And typically happened after a lifetime of metabolic dysfunction Mm -hmm. and especially in the overweight. But now we are finding type 2 diabetes in younger and younger and younger populations in our kids, as young as five. And we're finding it in more and more thin people. Wow. Because so many of us are metabolically unhealthy that now it's not just about your weight, though that's certainly a contributing factor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: More people who look healthy from the outside are still metabolically unhealthy on the inside and are developing type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. So even if you look at yourself in the mirror and you feel like, oh, I'm not at risk, you still could be grappling with insulin resistance and have no idea. Um, and so, you know, it just because you're a healthy weight, doesn't mean your blood sugar is under control. Mm-hmm. Issues can lurk below the surface co- for quite some time. Now I want
0: to know. Yeah. I'm sure it would affect like your energy levels, like how you feel. Yeah, yeah. I'll go
1: okay. through a list of kind of the signs and symptoms of it. Um, but you should know you can have, the the damage can be being done for a long time before you even have any symptoms because inflammation created by chronically high blood sugar takes some time to build up enough in your system that you really start manifesting signs and symptoms. And I will say in general, not everybody, but in general, most of us are very out of tune with our bodies Mm -hmm. and are not good at listening to our bodies. And so even when our bodies start producing signs, we tend to underestimate them and not really listen to them and kind of ignore them and think, "Yeah, oh, I'm tired because I'm so busy all the time or I'm tired because I have kids or mm-hmm. I feel sluggish and I have brain fog because I'm just overloaded at work. So we tend yeah. to write off those signs yes, rather than really paying attention to them. And they can be so gradual over time mm-hmm. that it's a little bit of the like frog in boiling water mm-hmm. analogy. Yep. Like, <laughs> Obviously, if you jumped into a boiling hot pot of water, it would feel boiling hot. But if you're in it from the beginning, as it slowly warms up, it doesn't necessarily feel boiling hot. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I think that that's part of it is those symptoms come on so gradually that we don't really realize what's happening until they're really already manifested in a very intense way, Yeah. at which point a lot of damage has already been done, which is why we just want to stay on top of it. And ordering a fasting insulin test is so easy, why not just get it Yeah. with your annual blood work and just know you're staying on top of it. So um, insulin resistance is a hallmark in the development of type two diabetes, but it can also occur in individuals like I shared myself who have PCOS or other metabolic dysfunctions. Most devastating, perhaps, is the contribution of insulin resistance to metabolic syndrome, which is very widespread, affecting about 34% of all U.S. adults and 50% of adults over age 60. So metabolic syndrome is kind of this cluster of, of symptoms, mostly including a large waist circumference, especially like a larger waist to hip ratio, high blood pressure, elevated fasting glucose, elevated triglycerides, and low HDL, which is our good cholesterol. So each of those symptoms in and of themselves is a risk factor for cardiovascular disease and type two diabetes, which are, by the way, the top two leading causes of death in the United States. They also contribute to risks of cancer and Alzheimer's and dementia, which devastate the remaining pretty much 80% of people. people. Um, But metabolic syndrome is diagnosed if at least three of those symptoms that I mentioned are present at once. So three of those things. Um, And insulin resistance and inflammation together are believed to be one of the main underlying causes of metabolic syndrome. So, you know, to give you some of the the biochemistry of it, because it's not an episode unless we talk to you about the biology of the yes, body. <laughs> want to know about the cells. Yeah. Our human body is extraordinarily complex. It's there's billions of chemical reactions occurring every moment that keep us alive. For example, in the digestion of food, thousands of enzymes, metabolites, hormones, and chemical reactions are all working together, all simultaneously, to extract. The nutrients we need from the food to digest the food to break it down, to filter out the the like waste products from it, the stuff that our body doesn't need to uh, feed ourselves with the nutrients it extracts to create energy and then to send the nutrients around the body. So again, thousands of enzymes and processes in place to carry out those reactions. And that brings us to the complex topic that is sadly underestimated by most doctors, not because they're choosing to be ignorant about it just because they haven't been trained in the importance of it. And um, that is the idea of insulin resistance. So I think that that term is gaining a lot more traction now but it's a fairly recent thing that people have really started to become aware of insulin resistance and talk about insulin resistance, whereas it's been along for a really long time, Hmm. basically since the westernization (laughs) of every country with US crap. So um, when you eat anything that breaks down into sugar, so whether it's obvious sugary things like candy or baked goods or cookies or pies or cakes, or whether it's not so obvious things like carbohydrates, like starches, grains, beans, legumes, your pancreas releases insulin. And insulin is a hormone that's responsible for absorbing the sugar that is released into your bloodstream when you eat sugary foods or carbohydrate-rich foods. So even things that are healthy for you like beans release Glucose into your bloodstream. And then your pancreas releases insulin as a way of absorbing that sugar from your bloodstream and delivering it to your cells for energy, um, which is a good thing. <laughs> yes. I
0: was thinking how much my pancreas was working this morning. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Because if you didn't release insulin, your blood sugar would skyrocket and you would go into a diabetic coma. Mm. And if you didn't absorb the sugar, if you didn't absorb the glucose, you wouldn't get the energy you needed to function. So you need both the blood sugar response and the insulin response in order for your body to thrive and function. Yeah. Wow. So, But if okay. glucose gets too high for too long, okay. which is generally what happens when we're eating a lot of high sugar foods, a lot of processed foods, a lot of... Carbohydrate rich foods. If you're eating a standard American diet, Mm -hmm. if you're eating lots of bread and pasta and cookies and cakes and sugar, then your blood glucose is high kind of all the time Mm -hmm. because you're eating really high sugar foods. Yeah. As opposed to like what Kay described, where she's having a sugary meal like once a month, maybe like that. And she feels the effects of it in her body. Woo wee. Yeah. Most of us are completely illiterate to those effects because we're also hopped up on sugar so often that we don't even realize when we're feeling crappy because we just feel crappy all the time. So when you have that chronically elevated blood glucose, then it can cause inflammation, tissue damage, cell death, and other issues that lead to chronic disease such as diabetes, heart disease, obesity, dementia, Alzheimer's, etc. And we have an entire episode It's actually our most popular series of episodes called our Sugar Cereal, Mm. where we talk about the consequences of sugar. So I'm not going to go into all of that in depth here. Go check out those episodes. Um, They're some of our top played episodes. So any of the Sugar Cereal episodes, go back to the beginning of our podcast and you'll find those. But the longer your body responds to spikes and crashes of high blood sugar, generally due to consuming too much sugar and not enough protein and fat the more insulin it needs remember insulin is being released by our pancreas it's helping our body absorb the glucose sending it into the cells for energy which makes sense if you're eating more sugar you need more insulin so the more sugar you eat the more insulin you resist or you create and you need to keep producing more and more and more insulin because you're eating more and more sugar. But at a certain point, your body becomes desensitized to the insulin and it stops listening to the insulin signal. Think about it of like any system, you know, that's overworking and running too hard is going to start breaking down. Maybe it gets kind of tired. The batteries run out. Think about your body that way, too. It's not it doesn't have this like unending supply Mm -hmm. of energy for every process. It has to prioritize certain processes with the energy it has. So if you're not feeling your body appropriately, at some point your body has to say, "Okay, I'm going to. Put energy towards this process and not this one because i won't die if i don't put energy towards this mm-hmm. one and it's kind of the same with like insulin at some point your body is like whoo i'm putting too much energy into this process i'm getting tired of it starts to make mistakes starts ignoring the insulin and at that point your body your pancreas can't keep up with the insulin production that's needed and we call that insulin resistance So that's what we mean by insulin resistance. I feel like right now every parent is like, here, here. (laughs) Yeah. I cannot do it
0: anymore. I'm done. Right. Yes, good analogy on that comparing. I was like, yes, I feel all that. And then my pancreas is like, yeah, I feel that too. And I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. That's where you get insulin resistance. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So if you were doing that every single day, think about how hard your pancreas would be working Mm -hmm. to keep up with digesting that meal. Mm -hmm. So your blood sugar becomes more and more unmanageable as your insulin resistance increases and you become affected more and more by some of the signs and symptoms of insulin resistance, such as um, abdominal obesity. So again, having a high, uh, like, what do you call it? Hip hip to waist, oh, hip waist, waist to hip ratio. Okay, I don't know okay. why that escaped me for more second. More like an apple. Yeah, more yeah. of that apple shape. So getting a lot of abdominal obesity, visceral fat, fatigue after meals which describes a lot of people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) sugar cravings, high triglycerides, which you would learn from your yearly blood work, low HDL, which is your good cholesterol, high blood pressure, blood clotting problems, and chronic inflammation. So those are the signs of insulin resistance if it's been going on for quite a while. Eventually things will become problematic enough that then you'll go and see your doctor, at which point... They'll probably order a fasting blood glucose test um, and and take a look at that, but it's not, it's at the point that you're already showing elevated fasting blood glucose, it's kind of too late. You're likely, if it's high enough, you're gonna be diagnosed with type two diabetes and you're gonna be given insulin medications, right, to help supplement that system. So don't get to that point. Mm. It's still reversible. Totally it, okay, still. Oh, I was going to ask, is there hope
0: once you have it? Happens? Oh, yeah. Okay. Totally
1: still reversible. There is hope. Woo-wee. Absolutely. Okay. You can reverse type 2 diabetes with okay. diet and lifestyle. Wow. Absolutely. Okay. You can. Yes. But you don't, it's it's much harder.
0: Okay. You don't want to get once to that you point. you tip the scale. Yeah. Okay.
1: Can, you can burn your body's insulin production out pretty good, and it can take a long time to get things back on track, and you may yeah. never be up to 100%. So it's best to catch it before that time period, which is what this whole podcast is about, is the insulin. Preventative
0: medicine here. The
1: fasting insulin is a way to recognize that there's a problem before you develop all of those signs and symptoms and before you develop type 2 diabetes. So for most of us, a fasting insulin test is not something our doctor orders with our annual blood work, but you can request it. And I can't imagine a lot of doctors would question it super hard because I think it's becoming more and more common, especially with insulin resistance, and again, the popularity of that phrase. Yeah. Um, So a fasting insulin test is a measure of your insulin levels at baseline. Because you are fasting, so you've not eaten for eight hours or more, Mm -hmm. the levels are unaffected by a recent meal, which is important because now that you understand how insulin works, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, If Kay came in to her doctor and ordered that test and had just eaten pumpkin pancakes, That's her insulin so would be really high yep. because her body is releasing a lot of insulin. My blood is syrup at yeah, that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, her body is releasing okay. insulin to absorb that meal. Mm-hmm. So a non-fasting insulin test is meaningless because everybody's body, mm-hmm. depending on how much sugar was in the meal, depending on how their body personally responds to sugar, which is very different for every person, Yes, there is no there is no like <laughs> one size fits all <laughs> one size or, yeah. fits all. Everybody responds to sugar carbohydrates differently. So fasting insulin is the only way to really get a picture of what baseline values are and should be. I, wait, I'm so curious what yours were. Are you oh yeah, I'll number? get into it. You'll get there.
0: Okay, I'm curious. Okay, go you ahead. Bet. I'm yeah. just
1: keeping you all hooked. Oh, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. Um. So I have Uh, For those of you who get blood work done and your doctor tells you it doesn't matter if it's fasting or not, always do fasting. I have never, ever, I've had, like, I've never understood it. I've had patients come in, they show me their blood glucose. And then I asked him if it was fasting and they're like, oh, my doctor said it didn't matter. And I'm like, it absolutely matters. Because right,
0: there's glucose, the, your, your food your makes food glucose, is glucose, they would immediately respond with that. Right.
1: I'm like, That's I, I don't see. know what your levels are. I just know that whatever you ate gave you a blood glucose of 110. Like. Yes.
0: Okay, then I wonder why when you're pregnant, you have to do that big glass of like orange juice or orange Kool-Aid that tastes like pure sugar. Which yeah, like is. the
1: glucose drink. It's literally so then a glucose
0: drink. I wonder why they pour that much into... Spike your glucose. I think they
1: more see how fast your body responds to the glucose, and so get it out of you. Yeah, they're doing a specific like measured glucose amount, Mm. so they see how much it raises your blood sugar. But then, what's important is the rate at which your body clears it. So if your body's taking a really long time to clear it, then that's a good sign that you have some insulin resistance because your insulin is not being effective at removing the blood. Oh, I get it. I get it. Okay. And not
0: to mention the artificial dyes in that. We're not going to talk about that. We're going
1: to move on. Yeah. My um, oh, midwife had said, too, at some point, like, you can replace the that drink Their, with grape juice. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
0: There's looks like something, like, on a superhero show that yeah. would, like, make him have superpowers, like, it right. glows in the dark. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, radioactive. Yeah, radioactive. Yeah. yeah no, you, you can replace that with grape juice. You just, you have to work with somebody who's willing to work with you on that. But a lot yes. of midwives, if you're doing care with a midwife, they, they offer that as an option. Oh. I would have liked that. Is it's grape it was juice? Disgusting. Okay. Yeah, we, I've heard terrible things. Yeah. Um, so, again, fasting insulin detects insulin resistance long before a fasting blood glucose test does. Because remember, your fasting blood glucose is going to become elevated once your body is already becoming resistant. To insulin mm-hmm. so testing your fasting insulin is a much faster way to detect that problem rather than waiting for it to get to the point where your blood glucose becomes elevated mm-hmm. so you can get a hemoglobin a1c that's the best way to see what your glucose has been doing over the last few months so that takes Basically, if you just order a fasting blood glucose, it's kind of a picture of a point in time, whereas hemoglobin A1c is several months worth of data. So it tells you how your body has been responding to glucose. So once that number is high and elevated to indicate diabetes, you've been insulin resistant for a long time. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. and you already have tons of inflammation built up in your body, and you're already on your way to heart disease and Alzheimer's and dementia and cancer and all of those scary things, and this episode is not to scare you. It's just to say... To so wake you up. Yeah, kind of wake you For up. The and the like, There's kind of just a better way in general way. to do it. Just do yes. the fasting insulin, catch the problem before it becomes a bigger problem. Yes. So it detects a problem with your if you have insulin resistance, it can detect how severe, how far along you are, while that issue can still be reversed using just nutrition, diet, and lifestyle intervention. So it saves you from having to go down the road of taking medications. Um, but for some reason, it's fasting insulin is not really included in routine blood work. Again, because most doctors aren't trained on why they need to order it. Um, instead, doctors have been trained to measure our fasting blood glucose, which again, as we've already said, that at that point, it's too late. Once your fasting blood glucose is elevated, it's a sign that things have been wrong with your insulin production for some time. Um, and typically, a doctor won't express concern until fasting blood sugar levels reach 110 milligrams per deciliter, which is way too high. way too high but that's kind of the standard like well you're fine as long as they're below that at which point you'll probably be told to watch it eat healthier you'll be given really vague dietary Mm -hmm. advice because remember Mm -hmm. our medical doctors aren't trained in nutrition only 25 percent of any like medical doctors in the u.s have had any nutrition classes and generally one class so it's just not their wheelhouse and they only have like 10 or 15 minutes to meet with you. And they can't spend time on nutrition even if they want to. Yep. So you're just not going to get the top advice.
0: But this is neat. This test is a neat way that you can use like that, their knowledge and mm-hmm. their test. Use that knowledge and then go home and eat your, you know, eggs and bacon or whatever. Right. And like it's neat that we can start almost like we're teaching medical doctors to add in the, the nutrition things yeah like, we'll guide you along this is how you do it you yeah know? Like- and
1: i really think this newest generation of doctors is becoming way more literate in terms of nutrition and holistic health yeah. i just see it more and more so i'm excited about the newest yes. generation of medical professionals that yes. are coming up holistic yeah i think there's going to be not that they're going to be holistic per se or okay. functional but that they're going to be closer Yes. Way more willing to work with those professionals and way more open
0: yes. to that method. Yes.
1: Because I know our family doctor, he doesn't know anything about functional medicine. He'll be the first person to say that. Yeah, yeah. But he works with my functional medicine doctor and he'll order blood tests that she requests yes. so that it's covered by insurance as long as I can give him a good reason for ordering the test, which I'll walk you through how to like ask for the, you know, the insulin resistance test, but I think for the most part, your doctor wants to help you. Yeah. That's why they became a doctor. There's yeah. very few truly bad doctors out right. there. Their hearts are awesome. Their hearts yeah. are in the right place. They yeah. want to help you. So most of them, if you can explain why you need the test, we'll order the test. So Yeah.
0: yeah. And and um, doctor, medical doctors too, like like we said in our last one, they're awesome at acute care. Like right. awesome. And we love that. And it's just now if we just help guide them for the chronic care. right, like, Or
1: take care of ourselves so yes. that we're not seeing a medical doctor for chronic care we're only seeing them for acute care because really we shouldn't have to be right in the hospitals in the doctor's offices with chronic issues because it's so preventable with diet and lifestyle that it really shouldn't be an issue but we'll get there yeah we'll get there i love it one podcast at a time yeah Hey there, Renegades, Elaney here, briefly interrupting this episode of the Renegade Nutrition podcast. I wanted to highlight a company that Kay and I have recently discovered that we love, and that company is Bulletproof. Bulletproof sells high-quality nutritional supplements, and every product that Kay and I have tried from them personally, we have found to be Excellent. It's important when you choose a supplement that it contain the bioactive forms in order for it to be effective, and Bulletproof has just the right forms in just the right amounts. Right now, if you go to bulletproof.com and use the code RENEGADE15 at checkout, you can receive 15% off your order. That's RENEGADE15. Use that code at checkout to get 15% off and we'll earn a small commission too. Thanks for your support. All right, back to this week's episode of the Renegade Nutrition Podcast. So at that point, you know, if your blood sugar reaches 110 milligrams per deciliter, which again is way too high, then your doctor may order follow-up blood work in the next like three to six months to keep an eye on it. But again, that patient is already insulin resistant at that point. And on the fast track to type 2 diabetes and the basic dietary advice of eating sugar free won't cut it because it doesn't matter at that point. They could be eating really healthy and their body is insulin resistant and it just can't handle any amount of blood sugar. Mm. So a patient is diagnosed with diabetes once blood sugar reaches 126 milligrams per deciliter, Mm. which is pretty much inevitable as long as the patient keeps eating Sugar and carbs, which they may do if they don't understand the dietary importance of not doing that, because mm-hmm. um, their body just can't keep up with the glucose intake anymore. Um, so, for reference, I recommend a fasting glucose between somewhere somewhere between seventy-five to ninety milligrams per deciliter, ideally in the eighties. Whereas the cutoff for people to actually do something about it in the medical world is 110, so that's really high. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) it's problematic that most patients aren't even aware that there's a cause for concern until they're at 110 milligrams per deciliter because then they're very insulin resistant at that Mm -hmm. point. They're gonna have a very hard time managing that, even doing all the right things. So the point I'm trying to make is that a fasting glucose test detects insulin resistance too late you're already on the path to diabetes at that point that that number is becoming alarming. Fasting insulin, on the other hand, rises long before fasting blood glucose. So a patient can have a normal fasting blood glucose, say 85 milligrams per deciliter, and a high fasting insulin, say 20 milligrams per deciliter which means that their pancreas is working extra hard Mm -hmm. to pump out enough insulin to keep their blood glucose stable and in the desirable range. So their blood glucose is still in the desirable range, but we have an indicator that their body is having to work really hard to accomplish that. And for now, their blood glucose levels are fine, but they can't keep up that pace for forever. It's Mm -hmm. going to wear out. At which point their blood glucose will begin to rise so without making any dietary or lifestyle changes their fasting glucose gets higher and higher and higher and it becomes harder and harder to keep up with it and by the time they start making changes it's almost too late because the damage has already been done So we really have to be our own advocates when it comes to our health. I think we've just have promoted that a lot on this show. Again, work with your doctor, educate them. If they don't understand something, don't get frustrated. They're not trained in it. But I think the more we can be our own advocate. And if a doctor is not willing to listen to your concerns, find a new doctor. It's not that hard, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) There's lots of great doctors out there. So yes. Um, conventional medicine and insurance limits the lab tests that doctors routinely order for patients, and so they're not going to order something new without having a good reason to do it. So, you'll just need to get comfortable asking your doctor to order tests for you that aren't considered routine, like a uh, fasting insulin. So, if the doctor agrees to order a fasting insulin test for you, please note that the reference ranges given on a standard lab report of Less than 25 milliliters per, or milliliters IU, beef, gosh. (laughs) Less than 25. Okay, okay. Less than 25, we'll just say that, per mil. (laughs) Okay. Or way too high, way too high. So that that number represents the average, the average, not healthy, 25 per mil represents the average fasting insulin levels of the population of adults in the US but it does not consider the fact that only 12% of the US population is metabolically healthy so we took a number that represents the average of an unhealthy population and then we said okay that's the cap for where healthy insulin should be it's not just for reference forehead slap oh so this number is Done. far from ideal Ooh! it's just once
0: <laughs> spilled my you okay? tea no, I'm okay I'm okay
1: Kay just got attacked by her microphone i'm sorry
0: this is what caffeine does to me when i got excited sugar about she it. had
1: pancakes and yeah, she's yeah, drinking tea yeah. and now she's like being attacked by electronics dropping bikes sorry that drop the number. mic
0: it was astonishing this is good get it together patty okay i got it. i'm yours i'm yours keep talking
1: So that number of 25 per mil is far from ideal. It's just what's average for our very unhealthy US population. So instead we should be asking what fasting insulin levels are optimal for preventing insulin resistance and diabetes, which generates a much smaller range. So metabolic health experts agree that fasting insulin is considered healthy if it's between two to five. Okay, so between a two to five Ooh-wee. per mil okay. as opposed to 25. Yeah, that's a huge discrepancy in right. number. That's a range. Yep, okay. And anything above 10 mil is concerning, anything above 15 mil is significantly elevated. Uh-huh. Which is remarkably lower than the, just less than. As long as you're less than 25, they don't have any concern. But you could be at like 24 and they're like, oh, it's fine, right? And you're like, eeg. Right. Like way higher than the two to five. Right. Okay. So I have PCOS again, which I mentioned. Can, it can cause insulin resistance just because it has a lot of metabolic effects, some outside of the control. Um, and my fasting insulin, so I ordered a fasting insulin test. Okay. I looked at the 25 mils and thought, oh, I'm fine, because nobody had educated me on what the number actually should be, and my doctor didn't know, because he doesn't normally even order that test. So mine was 10.4, okay. so which is high. That's the above 10 is concerning, right? But I didn't know. So I ordered that test like a year ago, and then it wasn't until I was preparing for this podcast that I was I went back and actually looked at that number again and realized, oh, that fasting insulin was really high. I didn't know. I thought it was fine. I saw You it. thought it was low. Yeah. You were like, oh 25. Yeah, you know, it just has to be less 10. than twenty five and mine's ten. So oh, I like thought less that than was half. Great. Yo, yeah. Fortunately, Whoa. I still felt like I was having issues with insulin resistance. And so I still continued to take all the necessary steps. Okay. nutritionally and lifestyle and with supplements to help combat it even wow. though I didn't have any reason to think I had an issue I was like well I still feel, feel it. like yes
0: yeah yeah yes. trust your instinct yeah. Yes.
1: so I still did all the right things to help it but I am astonished that I went that long without knowing that that number was actually in the alarm range wow so have um, you have you tested since that like a year I haven't I think- no because I literally I thought it was a no concern. Oh, until you're
0: right, until you just found out like, right. today or yesterday researching this. Yeah, so oh.
1: I was like, oh, I'm doing everything very preventatively now to make sure, because I know PCOS can cause that, so even though I don't think I have a problem right now, I know it could happen at any time, so I'm just going to do all the right things anyway. Yeah, smart. So it's probably okay, it's probably staying stable, but yeah, it still is like a little managing. bit like, oh, I would have done more oh. if I had realized it was in the alarm ranges yes. for sure. So if you want some tips on how to optimize your fasting insulin, here's how to keep those levels at the optimal level. Yeah. So one, duh, eat whole fresh foods.
0: Real food. Real food. It's
1: not going to be an episode if we don't tell you to eat real food. Real food. Choose low glycemic, which means low sugar. Real foods, including fresh vegetables, fruits, non-gluten grains, not seeds, high quality animal protein, Again, you can have legumes, you can have complex carbohydrates, so just balance them with protein and fat. Mm. Remove artificial sweeteners like gross stuff like Splenda. Bleh, that though they actually trick your body into thinking that there's glucose present, which raises insulin because your body thinks there's sugar, so it's still releasing so insulin. insulin. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, that's a trick. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it worsens insulin resistance and type two diabetes. So I know a lot of diabetics are given kind of the um, false information that they should avoid sugar, which is not false, of course, but then that they could replace it with artificial sweeteners. That's actually just as bad as not worse for insulin resistance. Uh, Reduce inflammation, so refined carbohydrates and vegetable seed oils and sugars and processed foods and all those things we always tell you to avoid. This is why. This is why. They're some of the biggest contributors to inflammation, and inflammation combined with insulin resistance, again, can contribute to metabolic syndrome. Those things spike insulin and promote inflammation, poor blood sugar control, and chronic disease, Eat plenty of anti-inflammatory things like herbs, fresh herbs, um, fish, nuts, wild-caught seafood, all those things that are really high in anti-inflammatory compounds. Ginger. Increase your intake of fiber-rich foods because fiber slows the absorption um, of blood sugar into the bloodstream from the gut or of sugar into the bloodstream from the gut. It also feeds the good bacteria in our gut, which promotes good blood sugar balance. So again, our digestive system the health of our microbiome is so crucial. It even determines how much sugar gets released into our bloodstream. So keeping a really healthy gut microbiome can help manage your blood sugar responses, which is why everybody responds so different to different foods. Mm -hmm. One person can have a chocolate chip cookie and have a very minimal blood sugar response. Another person can have a chocolate chip cookie and have a huge blood sugar response because it's dependent on... Their metabolic mm. factors, their yeah. stress levels, their exercise, their, their activity levels, their gut microbiome, which is completely individualized to each person. So,
0: yes, yes. one size does
1: not fit all. Ah, uh, gut life lesson. Eat a wide variety of fiber rich plant based foods, including nuts, seeds, fruits, and leafy green vegetables. Mm-hmm. Get enough sleep. Won't be the last time you hear us say that, and it's not the first. Yep. A study found that even a partial night of poor sleep could contribute to insulin resistance. Also interesting because I went through several years of very bad sleep. Yeah, hey, you did. Leading oh, up to the PCOS heart. diagnosis yeah. and and probably contributing to that insulin resistance. That was right. I did that test right in the height of my most stressful work periods when I was sleeping the most terribly and I was the most stressed out. So it's kinda no surprise that my fasting insulin looked bad. Yeah. I was in the height of that. Yes. And stress. How stress Mm -hmm. plays a part. Exactly. Avoid eating three hours before bed to optimize your sleep your deep sleep and your digestion our our renegades you should
0: know all of this I think they do
1: yeah yeah, but of
0: course repetition is the mother of knowledge so we're gonna keep
1: at it here and we never know when a new listener is coming and just listening to one episode so Um, and then go to bed and wake up at consistent times yep Make sleep a top priority for everything.
0: Yes. <laughs> it's important. This is honestly the good reminder of it's like, well, what do we do? And it's like, here's our list, guys. Here's the list, the list of things we tell
1: you in literally every episode.
0: food, sleep, exercise, manage your stress, meditate, breathe right.
1: Remove inflammatory foods. Yeah. You got it. Address. Eat, li- eat liver. Yes, eat liver. I feel
0: like that's always on some yes, list. Yes, it is. Eat
1: liver. Eat liver.
0: I, I've started out taking liver pills. So okay.
1: okay. I have those I too. Okay. Good. yeah okay. i do it for Good the days day. the days that i don't stay on top of my yeah. liver intake address nutrient deficiencies eat more
0: liver eat more liver that's got all the nutrients
1: Vitamin D, chromium, and magnesium all play a significant role in insulin management. Deficiencies can stall your biomechanical machinery, knocking your blood sugar levels out of balance and making you more insulin resistant. So make sure you're keeping up on those supplements. Um, A couple of other supplements that I started taking even though I didn't think I had an insulin problem, but now I know you do. <laughs> yeah, <I> know. <laughs> were myo-inositol, which oh. is recommended for women who have PCOS in general because it okay. can help with healthy ovulation, but it also helps control your blood sugar. So, oh. myo-inositol is as effective in some clinical trials that they've done. They found that myo-inositol, which is a natural supplement, is okay. as effective as metformin at controlling blood sugar which is metformin is the number one prescribed diabetes medication. Wow. And, okay.
0: And what, what's like a good way that you got it? Because I know like probably over the counter is like. Eh. Yeah,
1: I order online. So I order through Fullscript. Fullscript. Um, oh. Um. I don't recommend Amazon most of the time for yeah. supplements just because there's some pretty shady characters and they don't regulate anything on there. Yeah. If you can get a Fullscript account, From then a, you have access to yeah. top, top,
0: Brand. producers
1: and brands from yeah. everywhere otherwise you could go to a local good health food store yes. that you think is reputable yes. like a natural grocers or a new pioneer like they yes. or vitamin cottage is the other name for natural grocers they tend to have reputable supplements okay good that's a good place for our listeners yeah to know. but my is one of the ones that you need to have the right form so i think it's important to really find a reputable brand mm-hmm. so i started taking that anyway because it was going to help with Everything else that I was dealing with with the PCOS. The other thing I started taking was black cumin seed oil. Because mm. I listened to a Drew Perot podcast.
0: Love his podcast. <laughs>
1: Talking all about black cumin seed oil oh. and one of the like top superfoods that it is. And they said, again, it was one of the most effective things at managing blood sugar control, even as effective as metformin. Wow. So I feel like with those things combined, Especially if you combine them with metformin. So if you're already on medications, you can take those things. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm not your doctor, so ask your doctor. Yeah, yeah. But in clinical, in clinical trials, when they combined myo with metformin or combined black cumin seed oil with metformin, they had way better results than metformin alone. This is cool. Yeah. Okay. Talk so to if your you're doctor. already taking the medication, you can take some natural supplements. And black cumin seed oil is super anti-inflammatory and so good for you for so many reasons. Mm. So I started taking that. So I feel pretty good about what I did for my- now I'm going on a tangent right now, but it's a seed oil and it's still good. Well, it's different. Oh, it's different. It's not like how you're like... It's it, not like an industrial seed oil, got it. like got it. canola or, or cotton seed or... Oh, oh you got know it, what got I mean? it, got it. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a really cold... It's a gently cold-pressed process. You okay. don't heat it at all. It's in a violet crystal bottle, so it protects it from exposure to heat and it protects it from exposure to light, okay. which are some of the things that can denature those seed oils. Uh, so they do a lot to ensure that it stays in its natural state and beautiful and pure. Okay, good, good, good. And then I just mix it with water and drink it straight. It was interesting listening to the podcast because she talked about how awful it tastes. I thought it tasted totally fine. It just Mm. tastes like a little bit kind of spicy black licoricey. like oh and i don't like black licorice okay which I maybe is why some she said some people hate it yes. some people
0: like it's c- fine like the cilantro taste buds like yeah i have the ones that are, it tastes like so yeah. i can't have it
1: okay. i thought it was i thought it was totally fine so i was like what's she talking about she made it sound like <laughs> it was like unpalatable and you were gonna have to work to take it and
0: you're like oh
1: i was like so prepared for something <laughs> bad and i'm like this tastes fine and my yeah. husband was fine with it too i started having him take it too funny Um, So again, address those nutrient deficiencies, take Mm -hmm. things like black cumin seed, oil, myonositol, those things can help manage your blood sugar, especially if you don't have full-blown insulin resistance yet. Mm Incorporate physical movement. Mm. Surprise. Yep. <laughs> Exercise might be the most potent medicine to manage blood sugar and increase insulin sensitivity. Even just walking after meals can drastically lower your blood sugar response. Mm. Um, and a, co- a combination of high intensity interval training or HIT exercises and flexibility exercises like yoga are really great ways to stabilize your blood sugar and insulin production. Um, find ways to lower your stress Mm. (laughs) chronic stress elevates cortisol which is your primary stress hormone hormone stress hormone (laughs) words are hard words are hard increased cortisol levels lead to blood sugar imbalances and a loss of insulin sensitivity You can't eliminate stress. Obviously, it's going to happen. Life. But you can reduce its impact in your life by doing things like meditation Mm -hmm. and prayer and yoga and going for walks. Community. Community. Exactly. Finding a therapist. Doing all of those good things. Exactly. Living your purpose. Yeah. Deep deep breathing, breath work. That can be a really great way to reduce stress. We've had lots of episodes that talk about that, so I won't get into it here, but again. All of those things, I very I'm preventative.
0: Important. It's important.
1: Eat whole, fresh foods, remove artificial sweeteners, reduce mm-hmm. inflammation and remove refined carbohydrates mm-hmm. and vegetable seed oils, increase fiber-rich foods, so eat more veggies, get enough yes. sleep, address nutrient deficiencies, incorporate physical movement, and find ways to lower your stress. Those are the best ways to yeah. manage your blood sugar and to reduce the impacts of insulin resistance and reverse it. Yeah. And again... You can reverse it at any stage. It just takes longer if you're further down the road. Yep, yep.
0: This is where all the little habits of your life add up. So really check yourself, stay in on yourself, require better because it's easier in the long run, even Mm -hmm. though it's like like death by a thousand cuts. It's like, well, just try to limit all those little cuts and just, yeah, kind of require better of yourself, kind of.
1: And I will say that... Sometimes things are beyond your control. Obviously, I've exercised for like a decade consistently. Mm-hmm. I've eaten healthy for at least the last like six or seven yes. years. Yes. And I practice prayer and meditation. I work on my sleep and I still have yes. insulin resistance, yes. right? Oh, and that's
0: also fair to say, like our genetics and what we have to deal yeah, with. Yeah, or conditions yes. like
1: PCOS or being really stressed out at work Yeah, or developing insomnia because you're so stressed out again there may be things beyond your control so don't feel bad when you look at that number because you can be doing all the right things and still have an issue because of the things that are outside of your control that's a
0: very fair point take care of what's inside of your control get as much help as you can for what's outside of your control exactly yeah
1: and so i i think it's Nothing we ever say is meant to like shame people or guilt trip people. I get really frustrated when I see things on PCOS from functional medicine doctors where they're like, oh, all you have to do is stop living your crappy lifestyle. And I'm like, I have not lived a crappy lifestyle in probably a decade and I still developed PCOS because... There are other factors that contribute to it, whether it was pesticide exposure when you were in utero or your grandparents' exposure to pesticides that then flipped on certain genes for them that then got passed on to your parents that then got passed on to you. Like, there are so many things that contribute to the development of disease. So don't feel like you've just done everything wrong and you've screwed everything up because you can do the right things and still shit happens. Yes.
0: Yes. This is a very good point. I'm glad we're bringing this up because you're right. This is a very good point. Right. Yeah. So
1: it's never meant to shame anybody. Don't feel hopeless. Don't feel like you don't have control. If you have issues with your dietary habits, just take it one step at a time. Mm-hmm. Don't try to go from zero to 60 and be gentle and loving to yourself because yeah. obviously stuff can still happen even when you're trying to control everything else. Yeah. But, but if but. you take the steps to optimize your health, then you can minimize the right. impact of things that are beyond your control. The stress, the genetic health conditions, the bad sleep, the kids waking you up all night, right? You can minimize the effects of those things by doing everything else to the best of your ability. And kind of play the odds, like do do
0: your best and yep.
1: Right, and if you order a fasting insulin and then you get results and it's above the alarm ranges, so above 10, you know, per mil, then just follow the simple steps we gave if you're not following those already. Or if you are doing all of those things, then consider something more potent like the myo-inositol and the black cumin seed oil. Incorporate some of those more... um, pharmaceutical things (laughs) farm with an f you know Um, things that come from nature like a pharmaceutical they come from nature try and incorporate some of those and if you need medication to help you out for a little bit that's okay too yeah it's just a bridge to get you from a to b totally
0: no shame no shame no shame
1: especially Mm -hmm. Yep. For our listeners never want you to feel judged on this show. Just
0: supported
1: in the healthy way. And aware. And honestly, just knowing it's not your fault that you haven't been educated in this. Like you are not the one who has failed. There right. are systems in place that have failed. <laughs> there are systems in place that are supposed Amen. to be yes. dedicated to our health that are failing us, and yeah. that's why we have to be our own advocates. We have to take our health into our own hands. Yeah. Because if you're relying on the medical system to keep you healthy, guess what? It is failing to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, no, those odds aren't great there. Yeah. No. Yeah.
1: Yep. <laughs> so you you be the master of your own health. Take yeah. authority over your own body take authority over what's happening in your life take the first step do something today just cut out the inflammatory seed oils cut out the refined sugars if you just want to start somewhere cut out refined sugars cut out inflammatory seed oils those two things alone will revolutionize your health
0: yeah
1: if you just need a starting place start there
0: yeah so true I would say like maybe a year and a half, maybe two years, two years. I don't know. I took out just dairy, gluten, sugar is pretty much just kind of was like my now this is my rule, and I'm like, I told my heaven, my my husband Kevin, <laughs> hev- heavenly Kevinly, and I was like, <laughs> you know, it's been a while since I've just felt crappy. Sometimes I was like. Oh. I'm feeling just okay. Like, this is kind of cool. I don't know. So just doing those small things, I can help. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. It can sound like a lot, but it's really not a lot. You know, you get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. Really pretty quickly once you eliminate them from your life and your life is happier without them. (laughs) Yes, yes.
0: Well, thank you again for your knowledge, lady. And this is always the like pep talk day for me when I like go back home and I'm like, okay, okay, this is the reason why you've chosen these like healthier avenues because they matter. They're important. Mm -hmm. So it's cool to like be reminded of this um, every week.
1: It's your confirmation. Yeah. Now you'll go home and you'll, you can make your pumpkin pancakes and just put a little nut butter on them. Have a little sausage with them.
0: that sounds amazing tomorrow for Thanksgiving, go on a walk after you eat them yes then it may pull it down um for thanksgiving i'm bringing listen to this one i'm in a full pumpkin mode Ooh. i'm bringing a pumpkin pie for the general population but for any of my renegades at my thanksgiving i'm bringing what is it pumpkin banana bread paleo pumpkin banana Ooh. bread anyway so that's my little my little renegade on the side so yeah i like that yeah. i have
1: a good paleo pumpkin pie and apple pie recipe and so Ooh. i make those every year oh that
0: sounds amazing mm-hmm. okay I'm, I'm coming to your house then for Thanksgiving. Deal. i won't make the turkey again as we, no i as wouldn't let you know <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, uh, listening Renegades, renegades. and have a good Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving Thanksgiving week. Go eat some pie. And go be Renegades. Go be Renegades. Thank you for listening to the Renegade Nutrition Podcast.
1: Please keep in mind that this podcast is an educational service that provides general health information. The content on this podcast is not a substitute for direct personal professional medical care and diagnosis. You should always talk to your doctor before making a dietary or lifestyle change. Go be renegades! Go be renegades!